Welcome to the Infertility Podcast. I'm Candice. And I'm Daniel. Grab a biscuit because we've got the tea on all things infertility. If you're enjoying the podcast, please give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. This helps others find our podcast and get even more information about coping with infertility. Also, if you'd like to stay up to date with our story, you can follow me on Instagram at Operation Baby Bump. Have a great topic for our podcast? Email us at thevanwades at gmail.com. Hey guys. Hello. Right, mate. Hello, pal. I bet the English are going, oh God. Wankers. Oh God. Oh, I'm going to go to Primark and then get a kebab for dinner. That actually sounds like a good day to me. Yeah, (laughs) I could get a chicken shish with garlic sauce. Although you always complain when we go to Primark, but. No, I don't. I enjoy it when we're there for me, like picking up a pair of jeans or. I can't wait to go back to England and shop at Primark. I can't wait to go back to England and eat. Right. I love America. I love it here. I love the people. But I miss decent food. And I know that's controversial. I don't think anybody would describe English food as decent. Even the English. No, but they haven't eaten at the right places. Just so we're clear, England has more Michelin star chefs per capita than anywhere else in the world. I don't care. Like, we're good at cooking food. Yeah, but you don't eat at any of those places. So no, I you... eat at Birchington Fast Food. 841939. The places, the places that you eat are simply sentimental for you. Probably. And no other reason. No. They're like, not actually good. They are good, but like my favorite Chinese shop has given me food poisoning once and served me <laughs> um, a maggot in my rice once. What? <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, I have a maggot story. Um, is it from a Chinese place? Yeah, it is. Why is it Hunan. always a Chinese? Yeah, Hunan. We went there one day after church, like literally my whole family, aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody. And everybody, well, we we're all getting our food at different times because there were so many of us. And I hear this, whoa, at a different table, Jeez. which was my uncle. And they're all looking in his food. And then I hear this. Ah, out down at the other end of the table and turns out there were maggots in the food yeah i'm so surprised i never ate there again my mom and brother still eat there i I actually ate there after i mean and it was really good yeah really good i had it is uh, good food chicken curry yeah it is good food when they're not putting maggots in it I was going to make a joke when you said that all of your family were there. I was going to say that's uh, that's date night in the South. All right. So let's uh, get on with it, shall we? Yes. I've been wanting to do this episode for quite a long time. In fact, I wanted to do this episode or series of episodes. I'm not sure how long it's going to take us to get through this content since probably last season. Listen to me. Last season. Oh, you're so oh, that's so infertility last season. But seriously, I have been wanting to do an episode or a few on mental health. I think that people just expect us to navigate through this alone 
And it takes a toll on you that you wouldn't have realized. I didn't realize how, I guess, emotionally invested that I would be in the process. I thought it would be more physical than emotional. And that's probably because I thought it would just work the first time. But anyways, the main reason why I didn't do this series of episodes last season was kind of because I still wasn't in the greatest place back then. And I I think I just want to deliver the content to you as it is and not sort of skewed, right? Artificial. Right. Well, and when you're going through something and you're talking about depression and anxiety and you're experiencing those things at the time, you kind of deliver it with a tainted, I, I would say, delivery. So I wanted to be in a better place. I'm in a much better place now. Also... I feel like receiving the information about mental health is better received from a person who's a little more, I guess, stable at the time. Playing um, with a full card of a deck of cards. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, and all the lights are on yeah. at the moment. And you don't want to be yeah. receiving um, mental health advice from someone who yeah. themselves is like cuckoo bananas Cuckoo-cuckoo. at the moment. But we know that emotions have an enormous impact on individuals going through infertility. And this is men and women alike. This is not just one gender or the other. Um, I don't think I could probably throw a stick in this community without hitting someone who has experienced this kind of struggle with mental health. Why would you throw a stick into a crowd of people? It's just a turn of phrase. Can't you just point? It's, a, it's an expression. I know, but it's, you know, very aggressive. Okay, I couldn't point What's to that? a group of people without uh, pointing to... Uh, you did that so wrong. Well, don't <laughs> cramp my style. No, but I just think it's funny. Like, in, in the UK, we say uh, touch wood. You, in America, you say knock on wood. Yeah, and they're both stupid if yeah, you think just, about just it. Just touch the wood. You don't need to aggressively bang on it. If I pointed... Into a crowd, who knows who I'm pointing to? If I threw a stick, I would hit at least one person, and you that's would. the point. And then you'd end up in jail. For and that, that means <laughs> I would throw a stick yeah. and hit at least one person who I mean, has struggled with mental illness, aka everyone has. Yeah. So the odds are that I'm hitting someone who struggled you, with mental it illness. It could be worse. You could be throwing a grenade. Ideals, Neil. Let's get back to the episode. Touch wood. <laughs> <laughs> So chances are most of you listening have struggled with emotions, whether you are a couple who has tried for nine months or nine years. I feel like there are most of the time moments of feeling inadequate, broken and bitter. Um, It's painful. It's depressing. It's, you know, anxiety provoking. It's traumatizing. So I think most these, people... These all sound like things that would happen if you threw a stick into a Oh, car. for the love. Can we stay on track <laughs> here? So anyways, today I wanted to talk about some mental health issues. And actually, the first thing I want to talk about today, and we'll probably do another episode on the other ones. Um, but today I wanted to talk about depression. And I wanted to do this one first because this is the one... I kind of have the most experience with. 
I could pretty much talk a lot about this. Um, I dealt with depression a couple times during our infertility struggles. And I think society uses the term depressed, and I put that in quote unquotes uh, loosely, but I would say that I was actually, like I met clinical criteria for depression a couple of times, you know, the not getting out of bed, the hopelessness and things like that. And I think I actually struggled with that more earlier on in our journey. And then as time drug, drug on, I felt more just like worn out from this like cyclical being crapped on all the time. And that just gets old, you know. Did you ever feel depressed at all? Um, yeah, I think depressed to me is a very difficult word, especially as a man, to say, oh, I feel depressed because you, you feel weak. And it's not yeah. what you're supposed to feel like. Did I did I feel depressed? Uh, yeah, I think hopeless would be the word I'd use. Honestly, hopeless, and I think that leads into like depression. Yeah, especially when it's like every corner you turn is a dead end. So, what is there to be hopeful about <laughs> anymore after two years? You know, we went through over two years of fertility treatments, and it's Every single thing that doesn't work is just another item of proof that it's never going to work, I guess, in in your head at the time. I I think especially for you, you're the one going through the trials and tribulations of the treatments. And like everyone has to draw a line whenever they're doing something like this and they are out of control. You have to draw a line and say, okay, I'm not doing any more. Like this isn't working. You have to for your mental health because that's way more important how could you get there successfully and put it put your all into something all your energy into something when you can't even get past the days you know yeah and I think that if you cope with depression on your own which I did which I'll talk about in a minute It just led to bitterness for me. And bitterness is literally like cancer. It, I swear to you, it's like quicksand. It's like, and I don't use that lightly, I think bitterness eats you up like cancer. It's not literally like cancer though. But it is though, because it it is, it's like a, a mind, a mental health cancer. Yeah. It, it just eats you up if you allow it to and it's like quicksand you get stuck in it and you keep getting drugged further and further down and the more you let the bitterness drag you down the more it will Mm -hmm. and I remember when I was very depressed we were headed to Mississippi on a road trip for with our family and that my mom's December two thousand and thirteen. Was it? Or twelve. It was the few days after the disaster Christmas. Oh God. Yeah. I just remember my mom saying, Candace, you cannot let that bitterness eat you up. Yeah. You cannot. And I just remember feeling like I was being eaten up. You, by it yeah, I was consumed were. oh man 
I was consumed. It consumed my yeah. mind. It consumed my thoughts. It consumed my days. And you were you were toxic at that point around everyone. Yeah. Like I, I distinctly remember us being in the middle of the woods in Mississippi and these cool cabins were you know, like it was so cool. And I remember you just being like, screw the world, everyone. Yeah. I mean that's how you think though when you're in a cabin in the woods with all your family who have no trouble reproducing, most of them. I would say everybody except for me and my cousin, of course. But to for us to be have, have to be surrounded by all these people who are like, well, I just don't get why you're so bitter and I just don't get why you're so angry all the time. And I'm like, no, you don't get it. You don't mm. because you could sit on a toilet seat and get pregnant. So, you know, yeah. I mean, I, every time I would pass a pregnant woman... I'd just be like, oh, good for you. Oh, that's nice. Must be nice. And <laughs> maybe I was saying that about people who had trouble. I don't know. But to me, in that moment, and I've spoken with so many women who feel the same way, in that moment, the world is, you're seeing it through. It's completely one dimension. It is. It? You're seeing it through your own lens. And I think we all do it. We all see the world through our experiences and the way we think it is. Yeah. Not the way it actually is most of the time. Would you give anyone any advice that was in that position right now? Say they've been trying for a few years. They're bitter. Um, they, you get to a point where you feel like the world revolves around you. Because uh, that, that's what it felt like. I think my advice would be to say the same thing that my mom said to me. Don't let bitterness eat you up. Don't let that quicksand drag you down. You have to you have to come to a point where you say, "Okay, I've been depressed, I've been bitter, and I don't like it. It's not a good look." And did that advice work for you though? Cuz I don't feel like it did. It did. I, I don't think right away, I didn't, you know, I wasn't in the car and I went, you know what, you're right. No. I, I think that it sunk in over time. Yeah. And I felt like I really was being eaten alive by the bitterness and I did not like the way that felt. And I will say that I think things got a little better after that. I started working out. I started like doing beach body programs. I lost a lot of weight because I had put on about 30 pounds um, being depressed. I lost the 30 pounds. I was the healthiest I had ever been. And I think things got better for me, but I chose that. I chose to be productive and I chose to use my time in a better way. So I think... I would just encourage you to find something to pour yourself into that can consume you in a good way, whether that's, you know, starting a new workout or going back to school. I did that too, and I got my degree. You know, I think you have to, you have to come to a point, and I'm, I am all about, if you don't feel like doing laundry, don't do it. If you don't feel like cooking, don't do it. 
you know, give in to your, I don't want to say laziness, but I would say, I would say indulge self-care wherever you feel like it fits, but don't get into a habit where it's going to be counterproductive for you. That's what I would say, probably. It's a long bit of advice. Yeah, but you know how Can you I, cut it down into a haiku? Nah, you know how I am. I ramble on. Yeah. And you can take whatever out of that. <laughs> like, yeah, you, know you, you can do. take bits and pieces out of that that you think are useful for you. But what might help is if we, um, along with this podcast, send out instructions on how to understand a Candace story. <laughs> it starts at the end. I need goes to, to the give the details. Finishes at the middle. <laughs> So I did a little bit of literature review because that's how I am on depression, but I was a little disappointed in what I found. I just kept reading abstracts of papers. So strap yourself in for the interesting stuff because here it comes. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, science. Listen, I'm not going to talk about science. I wanted to, but... I was disappointed because I kept reading things going, yeah, duh, yeah, duh. And it wasn't useful information to me, which shows me that there is a gap in the literature. I couldn't believe it, but one paper claimed that women with unexplained infertility who had experienced depression during and after going through fertility treatments had also experienced depression Prior to treatments. Okay, that's obvious. Probably. There's a link from someone feeling sad before and after. Well, they, they were alluding to the fact that depression is the reason for their infertility. What? Exactly. And so, I was... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Does a sperm and an egg know when someone's sad? Do they go, whoa, 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 we cannot get pregnant at this point? I think they were alluding to the fact that people with um, depression, you know, that it would affect the body in such a way that they might have unexplained infertility. So I didn't like what that paper was alluding to. I don't think that's the reason people are have unexplained infertility. Of course, those women had depression before they started fertility treatments. They were trying to have a baby and they couldn't. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I was also depressed before, probably during, um, and during treatments. uh, And after as well, I would say, just because... It failed. It failed. So, that's what we call a compounding factor in Mm -hmm. science. Um, So, they did not take that into account. I felt the most depressed probably, I would say, a year after we started trying and we were unsuccessful. I think at that point, you haven't been introduced to the big wide world of fertility treatments yet. Mm-hmm. And you're still in the this mind frame of, oh, it could happen, it could happen, it could happen. Because everyone says, everybody told me. My doctor told me. My family told me. You're still young. You've got plenty of time. Yeah. Why rush? And and I was like, we're not rushing. You know, we're not rushing. We've been trying a year. That's yeah. not rushing, I would say. I mean, you wouldn't tell that to somebody who 
didn't have a problem getting pregnant, right? If they got pregnant after being married for a couple of months, you wouldn't say, why did you rush getting pregnant? Just because it's not happening, you're going to tell me not to rush it? (laughs) Like, that doesn't even make sense. Seems a little silly. Yeah, and that mindset really weighed heavily on me um, after a while. So when you cross into the fertility treatment stage, I would say you start to expect that it's going to happen like quicker and with medical intervention. So you start to kind of shift your thinking from You relinquish control, don't you? Yeah. Well, and yeah, you have to, and it's all out of your control, but you're more you're more accepting of it being out of your control because you know that, okay, you know, my body's got to respond to this medication. So it's a kind of a different acceptance when you cross over into that little world, I would say. You've also got the start realization that you're not going to conceive naturally. So you go through that process of beating yourself up over it. You know, it's like, oh, well, why, why am I different? And even though you, you've got you know, the amazing medicine of infertility treatment, you still feel kind of guilty about it, I think. Like, I think everyone goes through that. Yeah. And maybe others have experienced more depression during fertility treatments than before. But I've, I think for me, I was more depressed before I started. I think... It's, it's, it's a roller coaster. Yeah, it's you, a roller coaster for sure. You start so you start off excited before you're trying. Just got married. You're trying. You're trying. It's exciting. Then you get that drop off where you're like, okay, this isn't working. Then you start to go back up as you go to the infertility doctor, the reproductive endocrinologist. And then as it's you, you know you're peaking at that. Well, point. you're forgetting the other hill in the roller coaster, which is going to your gynecologist first and getting on Clomid and having that oh, we just needed to take this medication. Mm -hmm. So you do a certain amount of time on that, and then they try some other things that are gateways to fertility treatment. So you kind of enter kind of like a new hope of things, Mm -hmm. and then you move on to the fertility treatments, and then you kind of enter another new hope because you're like, okay, this is going to work. Like, they're actually taking the egg, they're taking the sperm, they're making an embryo and they're putting it in. Like, how can this not work? Yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, you've literally had the white glove treatment. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, for us, having gone through as many treatments and for as long as we did, over time, like I said, turning a corner and it just being a dead end every single time, it gets so old mm-hmm. and it's it just turns into anger. I wouldn't even say I got depressed again. I would just say that I was like super angry. Like, yeah. why is this not working? And I would see everybody else in the infertility community do one egg retrieval, one transfer, and they got pregnant. And then they'd have like 18 embryos in the freezer that they were never going to use. I, I would feel bitter and I would compare myself to people who struggled as well. And I just thought, why am I struggling this hard? Why does it have to be this hard? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. But I would never recommend 
coping with depression on your own. Never. Depression is something that leads people to do things that they would not do. And I am alluding to suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I do just want to be serious here for a minute, for real, about suicide. Um, because it is something that if you allow yourself to go into really deep depression, you can approach this place where you never, it'll, it'll make you do and think things that is, is uncharacteristic of who you are. And I would never want people to be in that state without having some sort of help. So if you are feeling that way, um, I don't even feel silly um, giving you this phone number. It is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, and their number is 1-800-273-TALK, T-A-L-K. Call them and talk it out. I'm hoping that people listening to this aren't there yet, so I highly recommend getting yourself into therapy and finding someone that you can talk to on a regular basis. If you've just started out with fertility treatments or you are two years into trying to conceive naturally and it's not working and you're struggling with um, those emotions, don't let it get to a place where you can't manage it anymore or you become so bitter and it's infecting the other relationships in your life like I, I did. I would say that, like Daniel said, I, I was just toxic at a point and nobody wanted to be around me. And I, I can apologize for that now, but I think back then I can't apologize for that because that's just where I was at the time. I'd agree with that. Like, it's funny how different people deal with depression. You became kind of arrogant, you, like, because you didn't want, like, you were, there was no admission that anything was wrong. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Well, it's hard to admit. Yeah. I mean... It's hard to admit when you have a flaw about something. Yeah. It's really hard to admit that you're not okay. And that's what I mean by just maybe using therapy as a prevention more so as a treatment because it's it's hard to reach out. First of all, I would say choose to reach out for help. I know that when I was going through fertility treatments, I did reach out to help. I, I, I reached out to several therapists in my area that um, I know I've talked about this before, but... No one returned your call, right? I Multiple, well, most of them didn't return my phone calls. A few of them replied to my emails and would say, oh, I don't do that anymore. And so... I was reaching out for help and nobody was grabbing my hand. And so I was kind of like forced in a way to cope with it by myself. And I wouldn't recommend it. No. There's probably someone out there going, well, you should have like kept researching. Well, yeah, I probably should have. But as a patient reaching out for help, I barely had the energy to do that. Chasing therapist down someone that would actually help me I didn't have that kind of extra energy yeah 
Um, and I think that as a patient, you shouldn't have to. If I'm reaching out for help, someone should grab my hand. Someone should grab my hand, pull me up out of the water and say, wait right here. I've got someone who can help you. Yeah. Or let me help you until you find someone. Da, 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 da. I, one thing I love about where I work is we have a 24-7 counseling telephone number where you can call at any time and they'll discuss any issue completely confidentially. Um, it's available to all family members uh, and they will put you in touch with someone for the exact level of treatment that you need. And I think that's great. Um, my employer, to my knowledge, does not have that option. I was hoping that when we started fertility treatments and I, I asked my clinic if they had anybody in-house or could refer me to someone and they were like, no. So in the beginning, I thought maybe I was overreacting a little by wanting therapy even before we got started. But now I see that I wasn't. And if you're just getting started, like maybe just just have some options available because you don't want to be in a really dark place doing that kind of research. I also think there's something to be said for someone who's experienced in infertility and grief. You don't want someone to have a bias against you and say, oh, well, I don't have any experience in people with infertility, but it's kind of like... Grief, right? Yeah. That's what they're comparing it to. But there's two two different types of grief there. You've got end of life grief and then you've got what you suffered with and that was beginning of life grief actually getting there. So they're so well, fundamentally and it was both different. At times because yeah. I was I was having losses that weren't really considered losses to other people. They but were just our DNA. Yeah. It was it was embryos that didn't implant, but it is a loss. Like yeah, you are grieving yeah. the loss of what could have been your child. And that's a weird, that's a weird thing to Which is, explain yeah. to other people. So having someone across from you, counseling you who is aware of what IVF is and the trials and tribulations that come with that there, that's huge. I mean, that's really huge. So mm-hmm. getting the type of, care that you need is important. I hope that someday I can work with people in in that capacity because I think there's just a huge gap there. There's just... Well, there's it's, it's not an issue that's spoken about. So why would you... Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? There's We don't know there's a demand for it because no one speaks about it. Yeah. You're not going to fix a problem that you don't know exists. Right. I just wish more clinics would provide that sort of care. They're they're more concerned with the physical aspect yeah. of everything rather than the mental health. Yeah. They're just getting people in and getting people out. And that's great and that works for a lot of places, but it doesn't work for everybody. The only difference between a ranch with cattle on and then our fertility clinic is they didn't have cattle prods. That was it. That was, it felt like that. And I wasn't producing milk. Uh, Yeah, well, not yet. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I do want to encourage you guys, if you are feeling depressed, if you think that it could be depression, I want to just give you the DSM-5 criteria for depression. 
I'm not trying to be really sciencey. I just want you to know like, oh my gosh, like I'm actually clinically depressed and I should get help. So the DSM-5 criteria. Now there, you could have depressive symptoms and I would say that a lot of people have depressive symptoms and maybe aren't clinically depressed. But I wanted to read these to you because it's really easy to go, okay, number one, yep, two, okay, three, yep. And then you can identify with five of these. And then all of a sudden you realize that maybe you need to actually seek some help because you don't have to do it by yourself. So a major depressive episode is five or more of the following symptoms. And they have to have been present during the same two-week period and represent a change from previous functioning. So this is something that is interrupting your daily life, I would say. So the first thing um, they qualify is being depressed most of the day. So nearly every day is indicated by subjective report. So you feel sad, you feel empty, you feel hopeless, um, or observations made by others. So you appear to be sad, you appear to be tearful, and people are making these comments like, are you okay? So that's one. Um, Markedly diminished interest and pleasure in all or most all activities, most of the day, nearly every day, as indicated by subjective account or by others. So you've lost interest in things that you usually do, like I don't know, going to home goods, God forbid. Um, significant weight loss or weight gain. Uh, for me, I gained a lot of weight. Insomnia or hypersomnia nearly every day. So if you can't sleep or you're sleeping too much, that could also be um, a check mark there. And remember, it's five or more of these things. Psychomotor agitation or retardation nearly every day observed by others, not merely subjective feelings, but just being restless or being slowed down. Another one is fatigue or loss of energy nearly every day. Shoot, I could say that 100%. I, that was one of my qualifications. Another one is feeling of worthlessness or excessive or inappropriate guilt. So feeling like well, my body just doesn't work. Like, I'm worthless. I can't give my husband a baby. I mean, I know I felt that way. Another one, diminished ability to think or concentrate. Indecisiveness nearly every day. Um, so if this is consuming you and you can't think of anything else, that would be qualifying criteria. The last one is recurrent thoughts of death, not just fear of flying but recurrent suicidal ideation without specific plan or a suicidal attempt. Now, that's probably on the extreme side. But if you could identify with five of any of those things, you might have had a depressive episode. And I would highly recommend speaking with someone. If you can't afford to go to therapy, I understand it can be really expensive not all insurances cover it. Even if they did cover it, you have a copay and you're already dishing out a lot, a lot of money for IVF. I totally get it. 
if you can't reach out to a professional, reach out to someone in this community. You can reach out to me. I know there are plenty of women out there that would be happy to speak to you. Just reach out to somebody and talk to somebody. And hopefully they can help you in some way. I do hope that this episode was um, helpful for any of you guys. And just to lighten things up, stick around after the outro because I've got some bloopers for you. Thanks for listening, guys. I'm Candace. And I'm Daniel. Night. 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 Warning. This blooper contains the F word. Listener discretion is advised. I mean, of course, literature says that there's higher levels of depression and people with infertility. Um, and then they compare it to people who have had a heart attack, um, a major surgery, cancer, things like that. It's always going to be high in any form of adversity. Right. It's always going to be high in any form of... It's always going to be high in any form of adversary, right? Adversary? (laughs) It's always going to be high in any form of... Fuck it. You can do it. It's always going to be high in any form of adversary. Fuck it. What is wrong with I you? I can't say the word adversity. Oh my god! Say it. Adversity. Adversity. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Stupid. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Stupid. All right. It's always going to be high in any form of, of adversary. No, say, I can't say you, it. Why are you... Adversary. Ad, that's the word I'm trying to say. Adversity. Adversity. It's always going to be high in any form of adversary. <laughs> Shut up now. I you don't get to try again. Forget it. Just forget it. We're scrapping One the whole thing. One last time. One last time. It's always going to be high in any form of... Uh, <laughs> I can't say it. Forget it. <laughs> adversity. I can say it fine. It's when I say form of adversity. Then try it again. But this is your last okay. chance. It's always going to be high. (laughs) I can't say the word. You're so stupid. Just say it. Just say it, you dickweed. Come on, it hurts. (laughs) All right. It's always going to be high with any form of... Nah, fuck it. I can't, I can't elongate the word. I just peed a little. <laughs> Get off the couch. <laughs> With any form of adversity. Adversity.
I can't say I had a syllable. What is wrong with you? Anyways. Okay.